Um, it's inspiring. It really is inspiring to when, when you hear somebody talk about faith growing in their heart and, um, you know, for uh, it's very personal. And that's the beauty of God is God does grow faith in us very personal. It's not just uh, a collective corporate faith, um, but it's a very personal faith. And uh, so it's great to hear people share. We're going to keep um, uh, studying this together. And uh, in tonight, we're going to turn to the Old Testament. We're going to look at Exodus chapter 3 and, uh, and read from there and talk a little bit more about growing faith. I'm going to share my screen with you. And, uh, and we can uh, look at this a little bit closer. Um, you know, we talked on Sunday about how uh, God has a plan. And what it, what often is involved in God's plan. And if you didn't get a chance to hear that lesson, it'd be great. You could go back and take a listen to that as well. But when God approaches us with his plan or his idea or his love, uh, sometimes we as humans uh, embrace it wholeheartedly. But other times we don't. Um, other times we look for the loopholes or we look for ways around God's plan. I heard a quote one time from somebody. They said, excuses, even when valid, are not impressive. And you know, I thought about that. I thought, well, that, that is very true. And sometimes when it comes to following God and growing faith and embracing his plans in our lives, whatever they may be, um, we aren't always eager to jump into that. Whatever it may be that God is calling you to do. Maybe God is calling you to become a Christian. Maybe he's just calling you to stay a Christian. Uh, maybe he's calling you to repent of something or resolve a conflict or confess a sin or teach somebody about God or, uh, you know, change something in your schedule or give your contribution or pray regularly or read your Bible or be a godly wife or be a godly husband or a godly child or friend or serve the poor or embrace his love. Whatever it is that God's calling you and I to, we aren't always quick to embrace it. Sometimes we look for the excuses. Looking for the loopholes is not new. It's something that happen, happens in the Bible a lot. There's plenty of stories in the Bible when people presented with God's plan, God's will, got a, an opportunity to grow in their faith, uh, look for ways around it. You know, think about Jonah. Great example. God said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go over there. He says, great. And he goes over there and you know the story and how that all works out. King Saul was given some specific directions from God to do some specific things. And when asked about it, he said, yeah, I did it all. But upon further investigation, we find, well, he didn't really do it all. He only did part of what God had said for him to do. Gideon, when Gideon was approached by God, Gideon immediately he was trying to figure out ways to not be involved in this plan that God had for him. So there's a lot of stories. It's not new uh, for people when approached with God and his plan to, it's not new for us to try to find ways and loopholes around it. But God is never fooled. Uh, God, um, you know, God can see right through all of our excuses. And on top of that, God has solutions for our excuses that we may be tempted to make in our lives. Uh, a great example of this is what we're going to read about here in Exodus 3 is Moses. God's calling of Moses to do some great things for him. Moses presents a series of excuses 
but God comes back with a, 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 a whole bunch of solutions for his excuses. And so we're going to take a look at Moses. The story that we're looking at takes place in about 1400 BC. God's people, the Israelites, were, were being held captive by the Egyptians. They were enslaved. They were subject to, to hard labor, and they cried out to God for help. And God decides to rescue them with Moses. And so God takes action, and he speaks to this shepherd, Moses, out in the wilderness. And he speaks to Moses through a, a bush, a small a little tree that's on fire, but it's not burning up. God's in the fire, and he calls Moses to this task. And so let's read this together, uh, beginning in Exodus 3, just verse 1. It says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over there and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not be, do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And this Mo at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the land of the Egyptians and to bring them up and out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Termites. Just kidding, that's not in there. Just making sure you're paying attention. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way of the Egyptians. They are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. What an epic calling by God for Moses. What a great plan. What a visionary, faithful uh, uh, direction, strategy that God has. God has for Moses. But unfortunately, Moses, like us often, does not embrace this right away. In fact, Moses starts looking for the loopholes, the ways around, the excuses. And so what we're going to do tonight is we're going to read through all of the excuses that Moses makes one at a time, because not because we want, well, not because we just want to focus on the excuses, but because with every response that Moses has, every problem that Moses brings up, God brings up a solution. And we're doing this, not just to learn about Moses, but this often can apply to us today. And so I hope that as we're doing this, the goal here isn't to make you feel guilty or make you feel bad or make you feel terrible. The goal is to hopefully identify yourself in this story and then hold on to the solution that God offers. Because the same solution that God offered to Moses, he's now also 
offering to you and me today. All right. So let's look at these. Uh, let's look at these excuses. We'll move on in our text. Uh, this is chapter three, verse eleven. God has put out this epic plan. Here's what I want to do, Moses. I want you to be the person. But Moses said, verse eleven, to God, "Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt?" So excuse number one brought to us by Moses is this. I'm nobody. God, I hear your plan. I see what you want to do. Sounds great. Sounds amazing. But me, I'm a nobody. Have you ever felt this way about God and his plan? God, I am just nobody. Who am I that I should be involved? Who am I? You know, have you ever felt inferior? insufficient, incompetent, unimportant, incapable. You know, we pointed it out on Sunday in our lesson with John the Baptist that that is often the very person that God chooses is that person. It's often the person you would least expect, that you would least think. But God's answer to this first excuse, this first sort of smokescreen or roadblock that Moses throws up is this. You may be nobody, but God says, I am somebody. Listen to what God says in the very next verse, verse 12. And God said, I will be with you. He says, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Wow, God had more faith in Moses's faith than Moses had in his own faith. In fact, God says, "Here's here's how it's going to turn out. You're gonna, it's going to be so victorious. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna be worshiping me on this mountain here." I mean, God said, "Listen, you know, Moses says I am nobody, but God's like, yeah, but I am with you. I am somebody." This is the same thing God says to us. When presented with God's plans in our life, when God calls you, when he's pulling on your heart, when he's He's pushing you in a direction you may or may not want to go, and you say, God, listen, I'm nobody. God says, you may be nobody, but I am somebody. We can't forget who it is that's on our side. It's God. God is on our side. God and you make a majority. You know, sometimes, and I've learned this in my life as I've gotten older as a Christian, sometimes we think it's humble when we say things like, well, God, I'm just nobody, you know, I'm just, who am I? We think that's kind of humble. And I understand there's a degree of humility to it, but on, on one sense, it's not humble. It's not humble at all because remember, God paid an incredible price for you. God looked at you and looked at me and said, you are worth the death of my son. You are worth the blood of Jesus to me. So I'm going to pay this price for you. So yeah, I understand. I, I often feel this sense of, God, who am I? I'm nobody. But we got to also remember that it's kind of not humble. Because what you're saying to God is, God, you don't really know what you're doing. God, you don't really know how to place value on something because clearly you overpaid for this. But you, you can't say that. Thing. God doesn't make errors. God doesn't make mistakes. God 
sent his son for us. And so we have to remember that though we may throw up this excuse that, hey, God, I'm nobody. God says, yeah, but I'm somebody. I'm with you. Let's move on. Excuse number two. What does Moses then say next? Verse 13, he says, Moses said to God, uh, well, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And then they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell him? All right. So excuse number two, Moses throws up. Well, I don't have the answers, God. You want me to go do this, but I don't know the answers. You know, what happens, God, if I get there and they ask me questions that I don't know answers to? I can relate to this. Have you ever felt this before? I, I've, I've, you know, I've felt that fear when you're reaching out to somebody or you're talking to somebody or somebody's asking you a question and you're like, I, I don't know. I don't know what the four horsemen in the book of Revelation. I don't, I don't totally understand, you know, and I've, I've felt that sense before that sense of like, you gotta know all the answers. You gotta, you gotta be able to answer everything that people ask you. And so this is what Moses is throwing out there. He's like, God, you know, you want me to go do this, but what if they ask me a question that I can't answer? God's answer there in verse 14 is this. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of our fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. God, Moses says, what happens? I, if they ask me a question I don't have, I don't have all the answers. And God says, God's response is, I am all the answers. And this, this is God's response to us as well. Listen, stepping out on faith, growing faith, acting in faith, living in faith doesn't mean you have to know how it's all going to end. You don't have to have all the answers because God has all the answers. Sometimes we put weird pressure on ourselves that we think if we're going to be spiritual, we got to know, we got to know all the ins and all the outs. I tell you, I respect people. I've learned to respect people more and more, spiritual people who have the, the humility to say, I don't know. I don't know. Let's pray about that. Let's see what God's going to show. I remember hearing a story one time about somebody who was doing a Bible study with somebody else. A Christian who was studying the Bible with someone to become a Christian. And that person asked questions about a topic that this person knew nothing about. But instead of just saying, hey, that's a great question. I don't know. Let's write that down. Let's look that up. We can study that out. Let's get, let's, let's look into this together. The person felt the pressure that they had to know all the answers. And they they literally just started making things up. They just started saying things that weren't true and teaching things that weren't in the Bible. And Fortunately, there was a third person there who who said, wait, what are you doing? <laughs> That's not true. What you're saying is not true. And, and hit the brakes because that's what happens sometimes. We feel this pressure that if I'm spiritual or faithful, it must mean I know all the answers. It actually is the very definition of faith that you don't know 
all the answers. It doesn't mean that we don't search. It doesn't mean that we don't try to find. It doesn't mean that we don't grow and we try to uh, we try to learn things about things we don't know. Of course, the Bible talks a lot about growing in our knowledge. And so we're, we're constantly growing, but there's always going to be things you don't know. And it's okay. It doesn't have to be a reason for you and I to not be faithful people. My job and your job is just to get people to the answer. We may not know what the answer is, but we know who the answer is. That's what faith does. Faith turns people to God. A little girl was talking to her teacher about whales, and the teacher said it was physically impossible for a whale to swallow a human because even though a whale is a very large mammal, its throat is very small. The little girl stated that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. The teacher reiterated that a whale could not swallow a human. It was impossible. The little girl said, well, when I get to heaven, I'll ask Jonah. And the teacher asked, well, what if Jonah didn't go to heaven? And the little girl said, well, then you can ask him. Uh, okay, just for, you know, it wasn't a whale. We know the Bible says it, it wasn't a whale. It was a big fish. But this is a good example of you don't have to know the answers all the time, but you know where the answers are to God. Moses, I don't have the answers, God. God says, I am the answers. Let's move on. What's Moses isn't done. Uh, chapter four, verse one, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you. So Moses throws up, okay, what if I do this and they just don't believe me? What if I want to run into these troubles and, and, and people say, I just don't believe you. And this is tough. I mean, Moses is in a tough spot because Moses is, is wrestling clearly with his own faith, but he's also being asked by God to exercise his faith and to use his faith to help other people. So Moses is in kind of a tough spot here. And he asked God, well, what if they don't believe? Well, God's answer is simply this. There is proof everywhere. Listen to what God says in verse two of chapter four. And then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out, reached out and took hold of the snake and turned it back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It, it, it had become as white as snow. Now put it back in your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the flesh, like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may, may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, Take some water from the Nile, pour it on the dry on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. So Moses is saying, God, I don't know if I can do this because what if they don't believe? And God says, Listen, there's proof everywhere. You know, and he 
gives them example A. And if that's not enough, here's example B. And if that's not enough, here's example C. There's proof all around you. This is still true today. And though you can't necessarily, you know, you may not be able to throw something on the ground and it become a snake, and you may not want that to happen anyway, but though these particular things may not happen, there's proof all around us. For example, think about the miracles of the changed lives of the people around you in this church. I mean, it's amazing. You know, we just heard Jordan share about his life and his struggle before he was a Christian and what he wrestled with and how God built faith in him and how he was changed. Before that, you know, we heard we heard other people. You know people. You know you. You know how God has worked in your life. You know, the New York City Church of Christ is about to celebrate next year 40 years of existence. It's 40th anniversary. Think about that. For 40 years, we have been building faith. God has been building faith in us in the New York City metropolitan area. Think about the thousands and thousands of lives that are different for the good because of God. I mean, there is miracles around us. Think about creation. You know, it, we live in, in a beautiful part of the country, a place where you don't have to go far to be able to see things that are beautiful that God created. Romans chapter 1, verse 20, we know it says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that no one, so that people are without excuse. So even God says, you look around, look at my creation, look at the, look at my, what does it say? Look at my eternal power and my divine nature that have been built into the things that I have created, the trees, the sky, the earth, the sun, God's qualities are baked into his, even his creation. We can't forget what God has done around us, the miracles that God has done. We sometimes are a little hesitant to embrace God's plan. We may say, well, God, you know, if I talk to people about you or if I step out on faith, you know, they may not believe. And God's like, there is proof everywhere. It's all around you. Excuse number four. Moses doesn't stop. I hope you can find some encouraging that Moses, a great, great spiritual person of God, really wrestled with his faith. I hope that, that you find some encouragement from that. If you find yourself wrestling in your faith, you're right in the right boat with the right guy. All right. So excuse number four in uh, chapter four, verse 10, Moses says to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have been spoken, since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. What is this, what what is Moses saying now? He's just he's getting even more honest now, and he's like, God, I hear your plan, I see what you want to do, but it can't be me because I'm just weak. That's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, I, I'm not very good at speaking, slow of tongue, not very eloquent. Obviously, this job involves talking. You know, I'm just too weak. Can you relate to that one? I know I can relate to that. 
You know, I know that uh, when I have problems in my life, it's hard for me to believe, you know, when I look at the issues that I have in my life that, that, that are permeated through my character and my spirit, things that, that, uh, that feel like insurmountable obstacles at times in my life, it's very easy to not have faith that God can use me or work in me or even love me because I am weak. But God's answer to that, I am strong. Look what he says there in verse 11, chapter 4. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. So God's response to Moses's excuse, his attempt to find a loophole, he says, I'm weak. God's response is, listen, you may be weak, but I am strong. You know, your weaknesses, my weaknesses, aren't the end of God's power. They're just the beginning of God's power. You know, I'm reminded of 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10, where Paul writes, he writes, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. And then he says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. There's a very difficult spiritual principle out there, and that the weaker you are, the stronger you become spiritually. The more that you realize your weakness, and, and Paul even says here, he says, I delight in weakness. I, 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 that's, that's a challenge for me. I don't know about you. That's a challenge to delight. I mean, I tolerate my weakness. I acknowledge my weakness. But to get to delight, it's, that's, 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 even, that's still hard for me to do in, in weakness or insults or hardships or persecution or just difficulties. But he says, when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. We think the exact opposite. We think when I'm strong, that's when I'm strong. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Moses says, listen, I'm weak. And God doesn't say that he's not. God just says, yeah, but I'm strong. I made you and I'm going to help you and I'm going to guide you. Moses says, I am weak. God says, yeah, I'm strong. Well, and that brings us to the last and final loophole or excuse here that Moses throws out. And it's uh, it's in, uh, again, chapter 4, verse 13. Moses says to God, pardon your servant. Please send someone else. <laughs> and now we're just down. Now, now it's honest. He is down to the nitty gritty. He just says the truth, which is, I just don't want to. I just don't want to. Send somebody else. I don't want to do it. God's answer, though, just do it. Just do it. Listen to what God says to him. Four, in verse 14, chapter four, verse 14, the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. 
you shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so that you can perform the signs with it. So Moses just gets very honest and he says, I don't, I don't want to do it. Please send someone else. And, and there's something about this response that seems to have crossed the line. I mean, all the responses up to this point, you know, God has an answer for it, has a, has a you know, sort of a hopeful response. But this one, it says God became angry and got upset. And I don't think God's upset because of his honesty. No. I mean, the Bible is very clear throughout the scriptures that God loves honesty. He's a, he's a God of truth. It's not the honesty that God is upset with here. It's the unwillingness. It's just finally getting to the point to say, no, God, I'm not going to do what you want me to do. It's the unwilling, selfish spirit of drawing a line and just saying, no, God, no. And God's response to him is, you are. Yeah, go. Just do it. God says, nope. Here, take Aaron with you. And, and the whole Aaron plan is kind of brilliant, isn't it? Because here God is trying to use a man to, to, to faithfully work through, and that person is highly resistant. So God says, all right, tell you what, I'm going to give you a person to work through. You are going to work through. Some, you're going to get a little taste of what this is. A, you are going to work through somebody. So there's kind of a nice little brilliance in God's plan there. Um, but the truth is, the, the truth is, is, is God said, God's, God's response to him is, listen, this is what's going to happen. This is what we're going to do. God's going to help him and God does help him. Uh, but God said, no more excuses. We're done. It's time to move forward. It's time to have faith. And sometimes this may happen to us as well. Sometimes we may just be very honest with God. And again, God embraces our honesty, but it doesn't mean that it's still okay. We may be very honest about something that is wrong. And God may say, no, I appreciate your honesty, but this is still what is right. And this is what I want you to do. And so there comes a time when we just have to step out in our faith. God helped him. God gave him a partner. God gave him what he needed. God gave him everything so that he could step out on faith. Here is, and, and, and you know how the story ends. You know that Moses does go and do what God wants. And it becomes an incredibly uh, victorious story where God, where God through Moses does lead the people out of slavery into, uh, into the wilderness, out of Egypt, and, and frees the people from their enslavement. And so it becomes a victorious story. But it is great to be able to look at the scriptures and to be able to see ourselves in there. And hopefully you have. Hopefully whatever it is that God is calling you to do or wherever God is working in your heart now or whatever, wherever God is challenging your faith or trying to stretch your faith in some way, if you are responding with some excuses, hopefully you found yourself in here so that you can then find what God's reaction and God's solution is and what God really wants for you. This lesson is not just a call to go do more stuff. That's not what this is. It's not just, okay, Phil, I got it. Got to go do more stuff. No, this 
is a call to understand that God's plan, though difficult at times, is where we find true love. God's plan is where we find real hope. God's plan is where we find peace and real satisfaction in our life. And we don't want to miss out. We don't want to miss out on the miracles of God's plans because we throw up smoke screens or we look for loopholes. No, let's not do that. Let's be people that that work that, that that have our issues, but we work through our issues so that we can get to a place of faith. It's a poor man, it's a poor work, workman who always finds fault with his tools. It's true. It's it's a poor workman who always finds faults in his tools. In other words, let us not be people who look around at our circumstances and make excuses or look for reasons why we're not going to be faithful. Instead, let's see our circumstances and let's go, this is the exact opportunity that I can embrace my faith and grow and build faith to God's glory. 